0: Oh, son, where'd you mint this?
1: Yeah, D has been. What I've kind of learned is a pretty important figure in a lot of people's, you know, journeys within crypto and NFTs. He reached out to me uh, in like October of 2020, I want to say, uh, just replying to some work that I had done on Instagram, posted some stuff, and he had sent me a DM. I didn't know who he was, and he just asked if I had ever considered. You know, minting my work or asking me about, you know, if I'd ever considered making nfts of my work. And I had I truly had never heard the phrases before or the terms. That's kind of where we were at. And I to someone who wasn't paying any attention to that stuff, it was all brand new. So, yeah, he just sort of put the offer out there to, you know, help me out if I had any questions and and I really appreciated that. And then I kind of followed the. The breadcrumbs from there. But uh, it seems like I wasn't the only one uh, who he had that sort of relationship with and was trying to onboard and and introduce. Uh, and as you'll hear, he had a pretty fascinating journey himself and sort of uh, different mentors and people in, in his life who were instrumental in guiding and, and sort of uh, fostering his uh, interests and the stuff that he was Getting into, I think, you know, it's the type of type of thing where it's so new to everybody. But if you find like a buddy or two who yeah. can help you out and, and introduce some of this stuff to you, it makes it a lot more fun, uh, which mm-hmm. is probably a requirement for uh, you know, sticking around and sticking it out when you're lo- learning anything new or, or just getting into something that feels also tied to money and a little bit scary. So, so uh yeah, but it was great to learn more about his story and a little more about his uh you know, his journey within NFTs and, and Zora. And uh, yeah, just, just another one where I treat like an hour with a a really, I I get the opportunity to sit and just chat with someone for an hour who I've known, but never kind of had like a proper meet and greet with uh, and, and just kind of, um, you know, dig in and and learn about them. So yeah, D is fantastic. And uh, I'm really hoping, uh, even if you know him, I feel like this was one of those conversations where you probably learn some new things about him that you've not heard before. Right on. Well, what's up, D? How are you?
2: I'm doing well. And today, um, what's today? Tuesday. Uh, wonderful Tuesday here in New York City. The Zora versus Papa. Uh All is well. I can't complain. How you doing, Charlie?
1: I'm doing all right. Just got back from a, a week family vacation in Florida. Brought the kids down there to... get out of the the chicago winter for a few days um had a nice time good weather got a little bit uh a little bit of sun um just a lot of pool time just hanging out you know so um can't complain Uh, came right back into the snow here and uh just trying to make it through the rest of the uh rest of the cold spring around the corner always feels good vibe
2: when does the winter let up in chicago i feel like it's it must be cold there for quite a while
1: i feel like it's just on and off through april and then usually by may like we're good to go so nice there's no such thing as spring anymore it'll basically be like winter and then it'll just be like 87 degrees <laughs> <laughs> and, and like humid pretty much immediately but uh nice. yeah
2: um, We're in florida were you
1: we were in a area called Longboat key, which is like an hour and a half like Southwest of Tampa. So we flew into Tampa okay. and then in his drive to the, to the, uh, the Gulf, uh, coast. And, um, yeah, a lot of old people kind of like a retirement vibe and a lot of golf, like kind of air. I, I don't play golf, but like, that's the vibe there. But then a little bit of a drive and you can get into like, you know, some, I don't know, just like more fun, like touristy, like it's truly for like a family trip, like, There's nothing there where it's like, this is just for me. I mean, we like to just sit out by a pool on the beach, but with kids, like you just plan a trip entirely different. Like what's the most convenient possible thing we can do?
2: (laughs) Nice. I feel like I've low-key been down there. I spent, I don't know if it was exactly Longbow Key, but I was in like the Venice area, um, which I think is just south of Tampa on the Gulf Coast. And um, yeah, I was basically at like a retirement home uh for like a week <laughs> just yeah. hanging out with like some senior citizens on the beach it was it was a whole lot of leather out at the
0: beach oh wow <laughs> um, yeah but it was, a, it was, a good time. It was a i don't good know time. the
1: context for this is this a vacation or is this uh i don't know what this is Family. Uh,
2: yeah yeah it was a, it was a vacation um, with with some friends of mine i um I definitely don't just uh recreationally hit up the senior citizen areas I of mean
1: the beach. Uh, hey man you know everyone but if you, just your different.
0: Boat, you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> no shame
0: whatever whatever works
1: it's your vacation yeah. you know like if that's how you want to spend your week I mean more power too. um yeah, I, feel I feel it. Yeah, yeah. Well what a crazy like year so far in like with for Zora and just crypto and NFTs and just like I don't know all this stuff um yeah. but you know I think I wanted to just start this off by saying like you know for anybody listening my you know my first uh, and this has been like something I've I've shared before but I I feel like it's you know very fitting now to to be like talking and kind of like interviewing you and stuff on mm-hmm. this you were you were the first person to ever introduce even the term crypto art or nft to me mm-hmm. I had never yeah. I've, I'd never, uh, at the time I had not heard of it. Uh, this is, I believe it was like October or November, 2020. Um, yep. and I'd been doing a bunch of my like 3d Photoshop work, the crash report like series I've been doing. And, um, yeah, you, you DM'd me and we're like, basically we're like, have you ever heard of, are you, are you familiar with crypto art? Like your stuff would work well as an NFT. And, uh, and I was just like, I'd, I don't know what that is. I don't know what any of these words are. Um, <laughs> Zora was obviously like in a very different like place at the time, but yeah, you were very like we. I I also didn't know you. Like I just I don't even think I was following you. Like I, you hit me up and just asked me this. I'm like I don't know who this is. I don't know anything about any of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and so uh, I I basically called up uh, my friend David Allen who. Um, who's a tattoo artist and, and fine artist and painter who's also been like the one person who I knew in my life who was into crypto, like not NFTs, but had been for years, you know, into into crypto and stuff. So I hit him up and he I knew something was up that I should pay attention to because he texted me back and just said, Can I call you? And I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> that's like you don't just say that if you don't like need to talk, you know, somewhat urgently. But yeah, man, that like kind of set me on the path of like kind of digging and and understanding the whole world that like, you know, opened the third eye on all this stuff and like kind of really got me intrigued was your sort of like urging to, you know, just look into it a little bit. So I want to ask you kind of the question, like, what was your, what's your, uh, what's your story for for that? Like, what was your first intro? Like, who was there, was there some like, you know, person or friend in your life? Did you stumble on it more organically just by virtue of like being like digging on the internet like we all do. I mean, like, what, like, Mm. you know, like, I, this has been a question I ask everybody who I've interviewed because everyone's got some relationship to crypto on different levels, like some way more than others, but it's still interesting to hear the first introduction or how it kind of came about to each person and you being as deep into everything now. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about like, about that.
0: Yeah. I think it
2: was, it was 2015. I was living in London at the time. Uh, I said this on a couple of different podcasts, but my life pre Coinbase, pre crypto was a uh, was very cookie cutter. I was a risk management specialist or a internal audit advisor at KPMG, um, and so I was working in like large financial institutions, banks. Uh, even one time, audited the Fed, which was crazy. Um, kind of, and it was bear- during that. Yeah, it was kind of sick. Like I was in like the room where they do all the currency counts. Like I was helping to figure out how they set the interest rates. It was, it was pretty wild. But
0: mm.
2: in 2015, I was in the UK. Um, I actually think I was in like Shortage, just rummaging around with some friends of mine. We were talking about going to Lovebox, a, uh, a music festival out in the UK. I was going to see. Um, I don't know, it was like John Mayer. Or it, it was something crazy like that. And James Blake. That's who it was. It was James Blake. So I was going to go see James Blake live. And a friend of mine was talking to me about like, you know, getting festival goodies or whatever. He was like, yeah, man, like, I'm just using this thing called Bitcoin and da, 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 da. And I was like, kind of like had the ick from it a bit. I was like, wow, that sounds very illicit and illegal and like not for me at all. (laughs) Um, But he was like on it. Like he was talking a lot about like how his friends were using it, et cetera. And then it must have been a couple of months after that, I had gone to a meeting at KPMG where they were running through sort of smart contracts and Ethereum and like the future of automation. Like automation was a hot topic back then, but it wasn't like as much on-chain automation until I started hearing about smart contracts and Ethereum. And that sort of pilled me. I was like, oh, wow, this is the kind of thing that could probably put me out of a job. This is the kind of thing that could probably make my life way easier. I know so many, you know, experiences that I've had with uh, small investment Uh, plays with friends or just trying to like come up with company ideas where like this would make a lot of sense. Um, And I sort of fell down the rabbit hole then. I moved from London to San Francisco um, about a year later um, with the whole mission of trying to figure out how I could work in emerging technology, more specifically crypto. And so I Mm -hmm. showed up at KPMG in San Francisco as like the bright eyed, bushy tailed, a very energetic big idea guy that wouldn't shut up about crypto (laughs) like i was like we need to be providing risk services for coinbase and like they're up the street why aren't we going up there um and people just wrote me off as crazy they were like uh like this is too risky for us we're never going to get into this Mm -hmm. um but there were a few outliers um like a partner named Kieran nagaraj he sort of took me under his wing, helped me write a few white papers with him. Um, and so I, I kind of got my feet wet from like a technical standpoint, got the chance to work on a couple of different projects and see how the technology was actually applied to uh, real companies and real institutions. Mm-hmm. And then it must have been about six months or so, maybe a little less, like after being in San Francisco, um, it was like two in the morning. I'm at the KPMG office doing uh, work papers, which is sort of like box ticking and drawing little red boxes around like the right audit evidence. And I was just drained, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It was just like a very, that job can be demoralizing at times. Like you show up, you punch the clock hard. Like you you really trying to climb the corporate ladder in a lot of ways, not a lot of partners who look like me. So I I didn't exactly Mm -hmm. have like the intrinsic motivation to, uh, to like excel as an auditor but I was a massive Coinbase user at the time. I wouldn't say massive. I'm not like a whale or anything like that, but I was actively using Coinbase on a daily. I was running like a geth node off of my laptop in my studio in Oakland. Mm. I was mining ETH as much as I could. Like I was really trying to get wow, into Wow, you got like into it. Like, yeah. yeah. I was also broke. <laughs> so <laughs> like, it's so had- it really,
1: really quick. I feel like I don't want to skip over that. So when you say you were mining ETH, like I don't, I'm not, I'm like. I was just
2: running a I'm node like- on my laptop.
1: But when you say just, like, how how does one begin, especially at that time when it probably wasn't just—I don't know—was there some like YouTube tutorial and, like, how, like I, I truly don't even know, like yeah, it was it
2: was quite literally YouTube tutorials and Google searches. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. like I was doing a lot of like personal research in my spare time. Um, I had a chance to ask a couple people at some different firms that we were collaborating with at KPMG. Just like, yo, how'd you get started? Like, what's the best mm-hmm. way to do this? Um, and so it was really just like research. Okay. YouTube research, YouTube university, Google's giving me all the pointers and tips. So I managed to get everything set up on my laptop, um, up a Coinbase account. I start buying Ethereum, buying a little Bitcoin and like, I'm, I'm kind of like in it. Like, I'm like, Oh wow, this is, this is real. And so that night, two in the morning, writing a white paper, um, for a bank that has become increasingly iconic throughout the last couple of weeks, but I'm writing this white paper and, um, I, I just was like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> like, I was like, "I don't want, <laughs> I don't want this to be my life." Like, not no. Like, I think that that serves a very important function for businesses and for society. Assurance reporting and risk mitigation is obviously like a real thing. But I had natural and like really deep entrepreneurial instincts. I wanted to get into a position where I felt like I could really grow and excel, and I wanted to work at a company that was really inspiring to me. Like, hmm. be at a place where I felt We were innovating. I felt like we were going at like light speed, like really be closer to the technology. And so I opened up LinkedIn and started looking on Coinbase to see if they had any jobs available. And it turned out they had a risk management specialist job, which is literally like (laughs) height casted for who I was at the time. Mm. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to apply. Like no doubt about it. Like I'm clicking the button, I'm going to apply. I had actually seen the job up there. Like it must've been three or four months before that and like it was posted, but then they took it down. So I was like delighted to see that it was put back up. Okay. Um, I hit the recruiter direct. His name is Brett. Shout out to Brett. He like got me onboarded in the whole thing. I sent him my white papers. I was like, Hey man, I just want to know if I could apply for this job and like what the deal is. Uh, gave my my little spiel who I was. Uh, he hit me back, asked me to jump on the phone. Uh, the next day we got on the phone and then that kicked off my Coinbase era. I, uh, wound up working there Uh, maybe a couple months later. It was such a grueling interview process. Like I got to really give it to Coinbase for holding the bar for talent. Um, But yeah, I got in there and it was just magical, man. They had this like quirky office. It was people sitting in these weird nooks, people laying in the cafeteria, like talking about adding cool assets. I was like, holy shit. And this is
1: 2015, you said. I think this is 2016.
0: 2016.
2: Yeah. Um, And I'm just like blown away. The office Mm. is crazy. The environment is amazing. You can feel sort of like the the energy and excitement around what people were building was palpable. Mm. The team wasn't that big. It was like maybe just over 100 or so people. Um, Everybody was super friendly. And there were some people there who like were less crypto native than others, some people who were super crypto native. And so I found myself kind of at the right side of the spectrum, if you will. Like I knew just enough to like hold a conversation, but I knew little enough to still learn a lot. And so um yeah i was hooked from then i was like i couldn't wait to get the offer i was working yeah. in new york at the time so i had to get on a plane to fly back to new york um and then like was going in between new york and san francisco to do the interviews uh found out i got the gig and was blown away like i remember mm-hmm. actually i was in new york city just left over street market i was feeling myself so i bought like some checkered supreme yellow jacket it was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i thought yeah. i was balling like a it, little it, it treat like- yeah Little, little treat. Like I didn't really have that much money or nothing either. Like, I like, I don't even buy shit like that. So I was like, Oh, this is like my flex moment. I know
1: it though. You're um, just like, I got a little, little money or a little moment. I'm going to treat myself like,
2: yeah. Uh, little icing on the cake, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, And I remember calling my mom and being like, yo, if I get this job, I think it'll change my life. Mm. Like it might change the entire trajectory that I'm on as a professional as like a young black entrepreneur trying to make it like, it, it'll really set me up in a whole different way. Mm. Um, and it did, like there would be no Zora without me going to Coinbase. I'd probably still be broke <laughs> if it wasn't for Coinbase, mm. um, and, and, crypto. And, you know, I wouldn't have the chance to really dig in deep. Um, to like what is becoming like a truly revolutionary technology, and so mm. that was a long-winded origin story of KPMG to Coinbase and Ethereum. But that's sort of how I got into the whole space at large. Yeah.
1: So, how many of those people from that time are are still like in your life, or do you work with any of them still from that from those early days, or in touch with them all still? Because there has got to be something about being in such a. I mean, I feel like you can apply this to different things you know usually like a hobby is you know you like when you find your people like you find people who you know are part of the same you know interests and if it sort of correlates to your job and everyone's excited about the same thing like that's obviously where magic usually happens on some level um yeah but then like of course everyone you know over time like go their separate ways or you know uh i don't know build their own thing leave you know maybe some of them are still there um you but uh, yeah, like I mean, so I mean, we're talking like about seven years later now, which feels like it would be an eternity in in crypto. I mean, that's only in my very yeah. compressed like two and a half or so years dabbling now. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, like, are are you still like are, are all those people as sort of invested uh, in in this in in the world of it all as, as you are, or uh, I feel like other people have gone on like. I don't know really what i'm getting at other than to say like was that like beginnings for people and everyone like kind of stayed on that track do you feel like or as far as yeah
2: so i had like there's two full circle moments that have happened in crypto and with coinbase and zora etc that i found absolutely Mm mind-blowing so i get to i get to coinbase um having just left kpmg i'm the first internal auditor at coinbase i'm reporting to this guy jeff cartwright Really, really lovable dude, um, deep expertise in compliance. Like he's kind of grooming me for how to navigate the organization. Um, a year later, I look up and I'm like, wait, is that Vish- is that?" And I'm seeing KPMG people that I know who told mm. me I was kind of crazy for wanting to do crypto stuff in the Coinbase office. Trying to sell their services <laughs> for audit and compliance, mm. <laughs> so, so I was like, "Wait, what?" Like you know, a little bit fast, of like a
1: validating validating moment for you.
2: Yeah, I felt great about it, but I also was just kind of like, you know, I was a little weirded out. I was like, mm. "Whoa!" Like I, I didn't expect to see y'all. Y'all are now yeah, eating yeah. in the cafeteria. Now we're like working at a few desks away from each other. Like it was yeah, it yeah. was crazy. And so like seeing the sort of KPMG life follow me into Coinbase despite me not working at KPMG, that was like full circle moment number one, where I was like, wow, this is crazy. Some of my good friends now from KPMG are still full-time Coinbase employees. Like they went on to get hired there. Um, So like mind blowing. And I still talk to a lot of them. Yeah. The second one happened actually pretty recently with Zora and Coinbase. We worked on an open edition mint for Coinbase's L2 solution base. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Amazing NFT open edition, it wound up being 485,000 NFTs minted by like 350,000 plus unique collectors. It ran for seven days. It was it was amazing. I think it was one of the most minted NFTs on Ethereum ever. Hmm. It was absolutely incredible. But the team that we were working with there were all people who we had interacted with and knew from working at Coinbase about three years ago. And so that was okay. like blast in the past. Number yeah, two, yeah. it's like, no matter how far you get, um, you know, I mean, this space is pretty small, but like, there's always like this, like, kind of like maybe it's breadcrumbs maybe it's just like uh kindred spirits i don't know what it is exactly but like the universe sort of keeps certain people around and so Mm -hmm. a lot of the people that we had worked with at coinbase wound up working with us now at zora um whether that's through a partnership or if it's through full time and so um it hasn't been a lot of people that you know i've maintained those connections with the world moves super fast i now live in a whole different city but there's a nice pocket of people that um I feel like I've seen the whole journey um and who have sort of been along for the ride and yeah. those full circle moments are sort of like the little like idiosyncrasies where you're like wow the universe is crazy like uh I-, I never expected to see KPMG folks in the Coinbase office they wound up doing a bunch of audit for us people got hired never really expected us to be working so directly with Coinbase so soon after starting Zora but like that wound up happening as mm-hmm. well and we helped them do an amazing mint And so I'm sure that'll happen again with, with some folks that I didn't expect to see again or a partnership we kicked off earlier in Zora and it winds up popping up again. But um, I think like to, your, to the root of your question, like you don't really find your people. I never really felt like I found my people um, in terms of working with until I really got to Zora. Mm, uh, yeah. I had never really worked with Jacob all that closely. We worked on one project for the NBA towards the end of uh, our stay at Coinbase. amazing project went to nba all-star weekend um did some panels pitching people on the future of internet money and like what this crazy crypto stuff was we're convincing people that they could you know sell merch and sell tickets or you know uh, get paid in crypto and stream their Mm -hmm. salaries all sorts of like crazy stuff but um that was the first time him and i got to collaborate and then tyson and i we never really overlapped outside of like a few small chats around Coinbase commerce. I was doing like some risk assessments on that product form. And so I didn't really know these guys, but now I'm like, I can't imagine my life without them. Mm -hmm. Uh, like it's the type of working environment and partnership where you get to really bring your whole self to work. Um, and I don't say that as a cliche, like I really, I've been in some environments where I didn't think I could bring my whole self. And so it was really, it's been really refreshing to just have that type of friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet still have the level of execution and the the scale that we've seen at Zora in the last three years. So um, it took, I think it took me a while um, to really find my people, but I think I found them.
1: But as you can trace the path though, all the way from that first
2: job up through then.
1: And you met Jacob at Coinbase, right?
2: Yeah. So we met at Coinbase in, I think it must have been like late 2019, early 2020. He was working on a project called Saint fame which was like a internet-owned yeah. fashion house um it was the kind of
1: Zora kind of right
2: it was it was yeah. so we were selling uh t-shirts as erc20 tokens on a bonding curve fancy way of saying as you buy one shirt the next shirt gets more expensive to purchase um and you could trade these shirts um almost like a web3 native StockX in a way mm-hmm. and it was it was dumb successful like i think he launched it on like a long weekend we woke up it had done like forty thousand dollars in trading volume or something crazy like that for t-shirts the whole thing was run by a dow it was mind-blowing mm. um and so he was he was like actively trying to get me in same fame and i was just like yeah that sounds cool man but like i'm really fucking with your sweatsuit though like i <laughs> like he had on this like matching like sweat fit and he was like yeah but same fame, man same fame." <laughs> and then and then we wound up collaborating with each other on a uh, the nba project and um yeah, we just really hit it off. I remember being in the Bahamas when the whole thing finished up. Uh, we were down there with the NBA Players Association. We had an exhausting 48 hours traveling from Chicago to Nassau, doing multiple presentations, having to like do personal meetings with players to like coach them up on crypto. Absolutely drained. We were sitting hmm. at the Rosewood Absolutely. Hotel and um, sort of just looking out over like the beach or whatever. We were like, "Yo, what if this was our life? Like, what if we just, you know." onboarded amazing tastemakers, athletes, celebrities, uh, designers into crypto and like really started focusing on that intersection of culture and crypto, like the ways mm-hmm. that we could apply Web3 principles so that we could apply Web3 technology to start impacting and influencing culture. Um, and like we could kind of have this like, huh, that'd be kind of cool. Got on the plane, got back to San Francisco. Two weeks later, Vance calls me and he's like, yo, I'm quitting. Uh, I'm going to go start Zora and I want you to quit too. And I was like, all right, whatever. I guess I'm quitting. Uh, <laughs> so <they wind laughs> You were <up.
1: laughs> sold though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, did he, did he actually say, I'm starting Zora? Like I have this name or was it like, I'm going to start a thing? And
2: Oh no, he had the name. There's like an OG Notion doc. It's like okay. very, very deep Zora lore that sort of, you could think of it as like our secret master plan for like mm-hmm. collective imagination and collective creation on chain. He, um, he had sent me the doc. And I remember like reading the doc. I think I was in like my mom's house or something on like a break and was like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> like, we had already kind of like aligned on DAOs and how DAOs could start to collectively fund and collectively produce real world goods, be that mm-hmm. clothes, prints, sneakers, whatever. Um, and we had big ambitions where it was like, I-, I used to be like, yo, imagine if Drake had a DAO, we could like take Drake public. Or imagine mm-hmm. taking Travis Scott public, you know what I'm saying? And like opening up the the brand value that these people create with the communities that make them the brands they are. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were already aligned. He had shared the doc. I was already sold. And So by the time he said he was quitting, I was kind of like, hell yeah, easy. Um, and I quit with the understanding he was like, he had some pretty good relationships with like some VCs, Steve Jang over at Kindred, uh, Fred Wilson over at USB. Uh, Olaf over at PolyChain, like Jacob was familiar with all these folks, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, man, already got like commitments, money's lined up, gonna be super easy." And then a week later, the pandemic hit, and all the fundraising <laughs> dropped, we <laughs> dried <Yeah>. up. <laughs> and like I'm in my mom's basement, like he's quarantining in Australia, like we have no bread. Like he's trying to send me USDC to survive. I'm selling crypto. Like it was, it was a crazy time. Um, but we made it, man. It's like uh, we actually just hit our like three year anniversary. I think. Yeah, was I was going to say, like this.
1: Uh, yeah, I feel like 2023, like there's got, there's some like big anniversaries, you know, like kind of, you know, a couple, like more than like the initial like one year companies that are still, you know, these platforms and, and companies like yourself that are, you know, still doing their thing more than like two, two years, you know, it's like there's a lot of things that kind of can come and go. But, uh, you know, and you guys have, evolved and changed you know do you feel like the things that you're doing right now like still adhere to like the original mission uh even though like everything is sort of like constantly in flux like you know i mean like i guess uh you know things even you know sort of i mean for me as like an artist like it's so sort of like pre and post you know, people sale is kind of like the line in the sand when mm, it just sort of like yeah. the lid just blew off, and everyone, every artist was like, All right, this is a moment. I've got to try and get like a piece of this pie. Like that was kind of the, like, like especially yeah. just like I said, for me, speaking only as an artist, and, and I know I had no ambitions of uh, getting into crypto, getting into anything deeper than just sort of exploring like a new avenue for, you know, selling work that made it so i didn't have to go to the post office like that was kind of the extent of like <laughs> my interest was like oh this is nice like i could sell or and i still didn't even completely understand it but like i still could understand you know it enough uh and it was appealing enough once i saw like you know i was actually getting this money and then selling it and like okay there's like real actual money in the bank account now like so and so mm-hmm. saw so the, the pieces kind of fell together and and so for for me uh you know and, and things have evolved and changed but like my initial interest was ultimately about, you know, having a new Avenue to sell and share artwork to discover new artists, like kind of the same thing I've always been on, you know, Mm -hmm. for the last 20 years, it was just like a new, it was just like a new floodgate had opened up. That reminded me so much of my early, early like internet days when like we're doing the brilliance, like in the, you know, those real early days just like so curious and like, Mm -hmm. you want to dabble and like, see what's up. And I would say that's still pretty true. Like I've kind of gone with like the tides of things being like hotter and and, and or not. But yeah. like as an artist, like I've, I've mostly s- stuck with like why I got interested in it in the first place. But, you know, in your role as like a founder and like doing what you're doing with, with Zora, I'd imagine like the outlook in 2020 and then 2021 and like what you're doing and why you're doing it is very different from now. So can you talk about like, you know, and obviously there's a lot in between. It could be like a whole nother sort of thing of like, okay, mm-hmm. every, every few months it changed. But like, what's the biggest difference do you think between like what you started and what Zora is like right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, so biggest difference. I mean, when we started, it was all physical goods. And so just making that pivot alone in mm-hmm. late 2020 was a huge change to go from helping people do uh, basically tokenize physical drops to now doing digital only. Like that was mm-hmm. a big leap. And the okay. physical goods business was working. Like we did an amazing job at helping artists to sell their work in that medium, uh, be it sneakers with Jeff Staple, be it toys from Benji Taylor, um, you know, prints or paintings from Steph Morris, the iconic like sneaker illustrator. Like we were helping a lot of people to create a lot of success. We had sellout drops. We had sneakerheads yelling at us because there was ten thousand people trying to buy. 30 pairs of sneakers. It it was insane. And so, like, that was a big jump. But I'd say overall, like, we've always strived to help artists, brands, communities capture and realize the value of their work and use these tools to do so. And and that's been a consistent thread throughout every year that we've existed at Zora. Um, And so, whether that was helping, like I said, a Steph Morris, a Benji Taylor, even a Nathan Head, like a photographer that we had onboarded to, uh zora v zero with physical drops quickly ran off and did nfts like right thereafter because of that Mm -hmm. same realization that you had oh man i could sell my work without having to run a logistics business without having to sell like without having to like actually print things and like have all that manufacturing costs etc and so um we had seen sort of that transition for the artist and wanted to start investing our resources and time and figuring out how we could help them to also capture value in this new, like completely digitally native medium. So mm. that's been a consistent thread throughout the entire three years. Um what's changed is the, the the models have changed in a way. So it's like we went through the one of one era and like we really had to like fight for reserve auctions. And you had to win like crazy cool content, like the Doge auction that we did, four yeah. million dollar auction for Atsuko, absolutely crazy. Um but like going from one of ones to now open editions to timed open edition or to limited edition and timed open edition, what could eventually be forever editions. um, That's been very like interesting to navigate. Uh, And I think you have to deliver, you know, different products, different features that sort of meet the needs of the artists. And again, help them to do what they love doing, which is make art, but also capture the most amount of value that they can from that art. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, Creators, uh, especially content creators, musicians, uh, visual artists that have just been grossly underpaid. Like we, in many cases, especially if you're a content creator, and this goes back to our V1 manifesto, um, where we sort of said the system is fucked. You know, like platforms really do have in many cases like a monopoly on content. Yeah. And if you're in if you're a content creator on a platform like YouTube, you have to have like a thousand subscribers and then get 4,000 hours of views or some others that just to qualify for the partner program, Mm -hmm. then you have to apply to the partner program. And then it's like two months to get accepted. During that whole time, what are you doing? You're creating value for YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a TikTok creator, you're getting paid like two to four cents per thousand views. You know, like that's (laughs) 50,000 views. You're you're making like, you're making no money. I and think, the truth is, is yeah, like you're making like a thousand and, bucks
1: <laughs> and the reality is like these are actual viable like jobs to aspire to for a new generation like this is not for lack of people like not trying other things or whatever it's like no there's like you know realistic possibility to make money and i think young people especially see mm. that you know especially in 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 like other parts of the world where you know like in, in, in developing countries or pa- places where like their best shot at you know um, doing something that they they love is essentially them in a camera, and then needing yep. to rely on these platforms to bolster that, and and like to you know to harness those platforms and then get their their stuff out there. But I, I suppose like the rigorous standards, like you just outlined, are because there are so many people vying for sort of the same eyeballs and wallets yeah, and attention sure. that it just becomes like just a kind of grueling, you know, like thought to sort of try and make it to where you're like making sustainable income. Um, yeah. And so I guess... But, like but the, that's... Biggest sigh
2: of, the biggest psyop, the biggest psyop ever is like, you're not aspiring to work for TikTok, but that's what you wind up doing.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're not aspiring
2: yeah. to work for YouTube, but yeah. you're for all intents and purposes, like a YouTube employee, like you might as well be on the YouTube brand marketing team there's no <laughs> like there's the, not even the YouTube
1: like creative team <laughs> there i guess tiktok is the only one there's not even like a viable alternative like youtube really is king like even tiktok is exactly. just probably relatively relative to youtube small like small yeah. potatoes and there's no other alternative and then you look at artists like it's i mean i was thinking today how ins uh i was just talking to to, to someone yesterday and today about how absurd it is that as an artist, I feel so reliant on Twitter and Instagram to get the word out about anything because nobody uh, visits web, no one visits websites anymore. So exactly. like, I have a site, but I don't really need to maintain it. I mean, a lot of artists do, and I I do a pretty good job of keeping it like relatively up to date. But like, it doesn't feel nearly as uh, urgent to you know post uh, you know on my own site uh, as it does to share whatever I'm doing on on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah. it's kind of scary when you consider who's running both of those things, <laughs> you know. Exactly, especially Psychology. Twitter right now. It's it's wild. Like, and 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 yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the exact answer is uh, in the long term, but
2: it I feels mean. like the exact answer. Like we're sort of all looking at, we're all watching like TikTok, and like TikTok is at threat of getting banned. Like Twitter is, um. Twitter is virtually breaking. <laughs> like post- Yeah, dude, Elon, it's ins- it, 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 is, it feels breaking.
1: it does feel broke like like yeah. not even from a necessarily day-to-day technical level but whether it's feeling like is anybody seeing this or like exactly random people being unfollowed or just like the quirks of like a sort of functioning uh, an ill-functioning site, you know, just yeah. like on a and regular then, basis. And
2: then it feels like the other thing everybody says is like Instagram is dead, right? Like everybody thinks IG is dead. And so it's like, we're watching, if we think of platforms as sort of like these nation states almost or like these countries on the internet, like we're watching the demise and decline of these countries. You know, Balaji has a really good point that he makes around the power of exit. It's like, you can try to voice, uh, you know, your frustrations when you see these platforms or these countries declining, um, or you can try to exit And I think we're currently exiting the phase of voicing our concerns. And there's now real excitement to potentially exit the sort of platform monopoly that has Mm. been, you know, uh, running us on the hamster wheel for the last probably like a couple decades or so. Mm. Um, And so I think, you know, to continue with like the biology thesis of exiting, it's like, You either exit and leave to, to join like a new system or you exit to create a new system, you know? And I think what NFTs and what DAOs and what Ethereum really at large has done for us is created this new exit path where there's like, there's sort of like a new viable alternative to being locked into these platforms. You know, we're also seeing just like a general, like, Desire to have a slightly more intimate and curated and personalized internet experience, you know, and I think that may manifest in the form of websites coming back, MySpace style pages coming back, you know, Tumblr style pages coming back, where there's a little bit more personality. It's less algorithmically driven, it's a bit more uh, directly from the artist and the creator. It's not confined to the dimensions of the IG post or Mm -hmm. it's not trying to cater to the TikTok algorithm or it's not limited in its characters, like a tweet, even though Elon kind of stretched that. But again, that kind of broke Twitter, Um, you know, like there's a desire for people to have a more personal connection with the artists that they love and that they have affinities for, you know? we tried to build a lot of this into the Zora ecosystem through things like our mint pages, like allowing you to personalize the colors, allowing you to change the font, allowing Mm -hmm. you to change the size, how the media is shown so that you can have a bit more of like a personalized and intimate experience for your community. You know, we're starting to see just like the idea of closer knit internet communities emerge with DAOs and collectives, be it art collectives, music collectives, writing collectives. Um, And these things are working, you know? And so I think, I'm really excited about the opportunity that really Ethereum and being on chain has opened up for us to exit the sort of platform lock-in that we've seen in the last couple of decades. You know, Mm. if you think about like I have this little graphic that I've been toying with, I should probably mint it. Maybe I'll mint it before this episode, like right at the same time. But like the sort of on-chain social media stack, it's like all of our profiles and handles have been locked into platforms. What's a platformless profile and like an on-chain identity look like? It's like ENS. You know, all of our media has been locked into platforms. If TikTok gets banned or goes down, like what happens to all that content? Yeah. You know, if if Twitter goes away, what happens to all those tweets? Like that's like civic historical provenance. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain, there's certain context that is kept there. There are certain happenings and events that are kept there that, we're at risk of losing forever, you know. And it's like, how do you create a more resilient and like platformless type of media? Really, it's NFTs, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a way for people to build on top of the media instead of the media having to be put into the platform. And so, mm. um, I think we're transitioning to this more like like transitioning into being on chain is analogous to transitioning to being more platformless. And I mm. think that's going to be a trend that continues, if not with everything happening in current events, like starts to take off now. Uh, pretty soon
0: Mm. you
2: know like platformless media nfts platformless audiences are like collectors you know instead of having a bunch of followers that are tied to one platform you have collectors that can follow you to any platform i'm sure you experience this to some extent with the collectors of your nfts who might buy a work from you from zora might buy a work from you
0: from foundation
2: might buy a work from you from manifold whatever platform but like Mm -hmm. they're able to now follow you a bit easier regardless of the platform But your audience isn't locked into one place uh and I think the last sort of phase of that is going to be like really opening up a bit more of what feels like a fluid, accessible um, social experience on top of all that. And so sure. I, I think we're really, really close. Um, but I'm very excited about the potential of exiting a lot of the the, the platform overlords <laughs> that have been gatekeeping us. Yeah, uh, over the last, you know, decades. it's
1: interesting because you know I I feel like. Um, you know, one of the reasons and I don't know if it's because I'm sure it is a lot to do with my my age and like where the Internet. Yeah, I think like there's so much to be said for at what point in one's life, the Internet intersected them. And that's going to start. Le- <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically st- that's basically starting to be irrelevant, you know, or yeah. has probably been for. I mean, probably I, I, would, I would say about the last 15 years now, because if yeah. you were born in like 2000, I guess even five or later, I mean, the internet's pretty much just been a part of life. And then I guess even in the last, you know, 10 years where phones are so prevalent and, you know, kids, I mean, I think about my kids, you know, it's like I have my phone by me and all the time they can say hi to mom and they can say hi to grandma, like whenever. That's a vastly different experience even than a kid that was born 10, 15 years ago. And it's only going to start becoming more, you know, like it's just becoming more and more intertwined. I think about like, you know, with the internet intersected me at like 13, it felt very like, I, I didn't feel beholden to like everything looks like iOS or everything looks like Twitter mm. or, or is there, there's only like four websites you visit because like all the content is aggregated yeah. through these like ha- small handful of places. Like we had to build, like when, when Ben and I, you know, started the brilliance, like if we wanted that, like we had to build it cause there was no, other thing doing it. And there was no Twitter that could have probably taken its place at the time. Um, and everything was kind of like loose. There wasn't just like everything collected under these same hoods. And I think it's really interesting, you know, because I had developed appreciation for the personality of a website, you know, however, however stark it may have been, you know, I always talk about like how I think the Drudge Report is like one of the greatest like web de- website <laughs> designs ever. Like politics aside, like it's still yeah. just like we're- there's a reason it hasn't changed ever. You know, there's yeah. a real a reason Virgil like modeled, uh, you know, his like a lot of his site design after it and stuff because it's just like it works. It's like newspaper essentially, and yeah. Um, but like that still has like its own personality, um, and I think artists. To bring this back to like artists, like. Artists should care about the context in which their work is presented. Like I'm, I'm I feel 100%. really strongly about that, and it was a big reason why, like I kind of halted in like late 2021. I'm like, I can't keep just doing like one-off mints. Like I, I don't, I it just it was getting frustrating to make one thing, try and sell it, you know, like make another thing, try and sell it. So I decided, you know, like kind of. Yeah go towards doing a, a body of work and then working, you know, closely with chainsaw to develop like the look and feel of that presentation and then make a book to provide further context. Mm-hmm. And I like, you know, just to bring it back to, to Zora, like the, the open edition, um, even just the fact that like when I did mine, I, you know, just changing the background color and the font and like mm-hmm. just, en- just enough. I know it's not like in the weeds where it's like, I'm, I'm going crazy, but like it was just enough where I felt like it, the, the context of, of, the work, the artwork that I had made, you know, was sort of tailored now to, to that work. And like the presentation of it felt more cohesive. So it's kind of funny because like we've been able to make our, our, there's so many different platforms out there for artists to, to use, to build their own sites, but we've become so like, sort of, I don't want to say brainwashed. That seems extreme, but we've become very conditioned and accustomed to just sort of accept clicking posts on Twitter and sharing our work there or on Mm -hmm. Instagram and sharing it there. It's almost like a, a sort of reset, And like, hey, what if you were able to just change the font? And it's like, this is what GeoCities was in like, like, you know, 2001. Like, this is what all those early internet template sites were. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a novel concept again, that an artist would be able to take control of the presentation or the gift wrap of their work that they're putting out into the world. You know, so I think it's an important thing. I think it's, I think... Isn't it
2: crazy that just changing the font is that crazy? It has that crazy of it, yeah. And I I think
1: it, I think it does, I think it does feel dramatic in a way because, like, in a good way, because we're all just sort of used to just happily accepting whatever the platforms decide, sort of for us, yeah. And you know, or with very little minor tweaks. But I think it's because of the amount of people using stuff. People don't have the patience, knowledge, or care necessarily enough. But maybe we like. I think we
2: also all we're all very hungry for distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, you just want to
1: get it out there it's like it can go in the brown box i don't care
2: (laughs) exactly exactly and like we all like there's only so many paths to get that distribution so like we might compromise on that context in order to achieve greater audience growth or in in order to garner greater attention you know um i had a spicy tweet that i was thinking on my walk home last night um which is like, I, I didn't want to, I didn't tweet it because it's probably too spicy, but I was just like, <laughs> like just about anyone will sell out for greater distribution,
0: mm. at
2: least in the current climate, you know, like it, it might be, oh yeah, I'm gonna put my stuff on their homepage because that's going to get me more mints, even though they don't represent my values
0: mm.
2: or like, yeah. oh, like I don't really get down with their business model, but like, I'm gonna go over here and do this deal and do this mint with them because it's going to get me more collectors and a broader audience. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always this sort of trade off that yeah. we make.
1: Now, I guess I'd um, ask, I'd ask you though. Like, I mean, can you blame people? Not at like, all. Not at all. That's that's the thing, right? Because it's not like we're all. in we're in like a very post, in my opinion, at least, and coming from like a sort of like you know upbringing where like I really just you know like in in punk rock, the idea of like selling out is just like the worst thing. But we're very much in a post sell out sort of world like no one cares you know it's like everyone understands nice. that the way that like an artist of any kind be it a someone who does just as podcaster or, or a visual mm. artist or musician if some brand unless they're like diabolical and like you're just, i mean there are yeah. there are a handful <laughs> you know i i think like most of the artists i know are you know gonna like not take money from like you know like uh, smith and wesson in the so, yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying like i think there's like there's that sort of like you know, obvious moral line where I think people would mm-hmm. sort of decide like what they're okay with and what they're not okay with. And some people, you know, might be not down with like an alcohol brand for whatever reason. And others are like, exactly. ah, it's it's beer. Like, what are you going to, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's all. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, but that's where, you know, like that's where creators of all kinds visual or otherwise in 2023 are like, if they're not, you know, and I, I would say it's a pretty small segment, a very small segment, uh of artists who can like truly make a proper living just off of their Fact. art selling it one-to-one so you are sort of left with like trading you know for that greater exposure like you said yeah. for the the distribution that are, that's offered to you
2: yeah you, you you really that's how like the only way you can get attention in many cases you know and like yeah. what's interesting i read this like a uh, mary oliver quote yesterday i was browsing arena and the quote was like attention is the beginning of devotion it's from a mm. poem she wrote on uh, called upstream and that quote really stuck out to me because i was like you know and, and it, it was actually the spark for the sellout comment because uh, i was like you know if you if you make that compromise on what might be a values play for you or like what, what might be like a, okay, I'm not going to have the amount of context I want around my piece, but I'm going to garner a lot of attention. And you convert that attention into devotion, which I think many influencers have content creators have artists have. Mm -hmm. Then it's almost as if the audience is portable. Like you could, it's equally as platformless if they're devoutly devoted, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like a, it's a higher order of, uh, buy-in in a lot of cases, yeah. and so I think, like we we all oh, this is heady, slightly esoteric, but it's like a lot of people want to get on the platform altar in order to garner that attention, in order to build a devoted audience and follow. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like they're like, yep. put me on the altar, put me on the front stage, and I'll be able to take that and convert it into whatever I need to in other areas or other remits. You know, I mean mm. that's how a lot of my sister is a prominent TikToker, Mariah, and it's like. TikTok's not paying her as much as DirecTV and Coke and all the brands that want to do brand partnerships, but they want to do brand partnerships because you have such a devoted audience, mm. you know, yeah. and she garners so much attention. And so she sort, of, uh, she sort of flipped the dynamics between the platform and her by becoming the platform herself in many cases. Mm-hmm. I think NFTs take that to the next level where now you're able to do that, but you're able to also earn directly from your work without having to go through things like brand partnerships or things that are off platform. You know what I'm saying? And so Mm, um, it's like this new opportunity for you to still capture value from the thing that you create and that you love doing without having to dilute that in any way or without having to compromise too much on what a brand may need or what their messaging may want. And so Mm. I'm excited to see an increasing amount of artistic freedom it feels like and, and an increasing amount of opportunity for artists to still develop audiences, garner a lot of attention, but start to capture value directly from their core work or core mm-hmm. practice and what they love doing without having to go sort of, uh, exploring if you will, and things that feel adjacent. So, sure. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, it, it feels like a massive unlock in many ways. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, even just like in the sort of short couple of years that NFTs have been like kind of what, I I guess I would just start in like early 2021 until about now, let's just call it like there's been these sort of, there's been different platforms that feel very desirable to be on or get accepted to or be a part of or whatever. And that wave feels, and I I could be wrong, maybe it's not, I mean, I, I there's certainly some collectors who really value if someone's like on you know, super rare, more than mm-hmm. you know. For example, or obviously with like Nifty, like the way it was early on, like that felt like just the the grail. for an yeah. It was a huge deal, and like I think almost every artist who's dabbling was like applying and trying to get on there, and a lot of artists yeah. you know had their moment and made like a boatload of money, and like that's just mm-hmm. that that's obviously was like in the heat of like the craziest you know wave of speculation that we had, where it was just like anything and everything was sell but yeah like <laughs> yeah. i do think like now that a lot of things have calmed down and we're in a sort of pretty much post-covid time and, and everyone's sort of uh, people are getting back to regular jobs maybe there's less sort of like i don't i don't know this thing the dust has settled a lot and there's a lot less concern for yeah the platform and uh you see a lot more artists like you know gravitating towards just having their own contracts and understanding why that would be valuable exactly. and and um doing it took us a while
2: flow. to get to a place where those tools were developed right like you were in but many cases not always a
1: while in a vacuum but like in the big picture like not that yeah long. true really i mean if you really think about like a it's been two you years you know years. yeah i mean really it feels like it's happened to me i feel like stuff has happened so fast the fact that like even yeah. there's you know artists that were there one day and then they're on you know whether you value this or not like now they're on sotheby's or at you know christie's and so just like It's happened all very fast in my opinion, you know, like a lot of, even the fact that like, you know, open editions felt like the hottest thing two months ago and now feel like just sort of like another option. And it's on Mm. to whatever the next conversation might be, you know, it's just, it all moves so quickly. And it's like just a constant feeling of like this too shall pass. Like in (laughs) NFTs, it's just like, all right. Like whatever is like you think is good right now is like a week from now. I'm sure it'll be fine. But like someone, all the attention's on to like the next thing. And it's, yeah, it's insane. It's, it's for me, it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe your job necessitates that you sort of do keep up. But like a lot of times I'm just like, man, I just need to like, I can't. I, I can't keep up. I, I can't keep thinking about this. So then, it, yeah. back to the relying on platforms thing. You know, just give me just enough to tweak and customize because I can't mm-hmm. like, get into the weeds of all this. But
2: yeah, it's really hard sometimes in crypto to tell what is here to stay and what is a trend. Mm. And I think some of the things that have like really stayed around, m- maybe NFTs are that on, like at a whole is like there are things that we thought would just be trends. Yep. or like things that we thought would come and go but even in the open editions case now it's like yeah we have this discussion internally too where it's like is this just a trend is this like are, are burn to redeem?s like really going to be a thing like mm. later down the line like but it's crazy because if you look at look at it historically it's like burning and redeeming in addition like they've been a thing since like you said since like nifty you know, they were part of the boom of this space. It just happens that they're coming back again. You know what I'm saying? Like limited yeah. editions were a thing. Just back in, then a, and just in back
1: a new, again. in a new or like maybe ch- cheaper for more people. Or, I think also part of it is just like, you know, these things come in these waves, but it was really important that the tools be built because someone is, you know, someone's Mm -hmm. like, there's going to be like, whoever the next like Jack Butcher idea is, like someone will use one of these tools to build a new novel, interesting way of using it. Or there'll be renewed interest Mm -hmm. or some artist who's not participating in NFTs yet will feel like that's the best like thing for them. And meanwhile, it's like, maybe it's not like, hottest thing at the moment overall but like those tools being built you know it's just it's like anything you know i mean like like literally anything i mean it's like any new tool uh what be it like a physical tool for a craft or you know whatever the case may be is always going to find like someone's going to find some new way to use it or utilize or take advantage of it that someone else i'm really
2: excited to see i think it was really cool to see, like during the summer of last year. I mean, catalog has been around for ages, right? Like they've been doing one of ones since really like Zora has been around in, you know, early twenty twenty one. It was really exciting to see music sort of pop up as a category mm-hmm. um, for NFTs. Really, like I mean, obviously the one of ones, but I think like summer of last year, I felt like we started to really hit a stride with music. I'm very excited to see the space like onboard an increasingly diverse type of media like let's see more videos like we have some amazing videos that are getting minted on zora it's actually one of the few places you can mint video mm. in this way because we don't have a file size limit and so whether that's a music video from latasha if it's an animation from NounsDAO, if it's a product marketing video for nouns if it's like a night run video that got ninety-five thousand mints to like promote a project that they were working on night run like i think we have sort of like a psychological barrier in the space right now, or like even maybe like a slight aversion to wanting to bring more types of media on chain that I think will start opening up what all this could be, you know? And so we, I think it took a while to get the tools, the tools really served what felt like a bit more of like the fine art market, but it's dope to now see where it's like, yo, uh, Gabriel, the machete guy, like he can start to mint his TikToks and his video content as NFTs, and you can collect those. Like Mm -hmm. you can mint your writing, you can mint uh, just other types of media that I think will expand people's imaginations as to Mm -hmm. like what is really possible here and also accelerate that path to exit that I was describing earlier, where it's like, hey, this isn't just for auctioning stuff. Hey, this isn't just for an image. This isn't, this applies to probably any piece of content that you could put on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, which means we now have an opportunity to bring all of that content into a new medium where it can start to truly capture and realize the value that it's created on the internet. And so I think I'm really pumped for like, now that we have sort of like a baseline of tools to see increasing types of media get minted into onboard board, sort of like that next wave of creators that I think is sort of written in the NFTs off because it's it either like skews like very art world or it skews very
0: yeah i yeah.
2: joke that it's like GameStop, best buy comic-con <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. it, like it has like a very like uh the collectibles market makes sense in that case but it's like it has a very like uh nintendo almost <laughs> like environment to it yeah and i'm excited to see us like build upon that and expand to like all different types of media like yeah. to you to run with the sort of GameStop analogy, if I was walking in like the mall of Ethereum is crazy because I sound old just saying malls. I feel like those are completely <laughs> dead, um, but it's like, where's like the five music or like where's the tower records or like where's the like where's the blockbuster? Where Like where's all of the other types of venues, the Netflix or whatever sure, sure. for us to start like bringing this media on chain. Um, and I think Zora has become like a real home for that. And so I'm really mm-hmm. excited for now that we have that baseline of tools to like start seeing what all people bring on chain uh, and, and how expansive we can get with
0: this.
1: Hmm. Um, so just keeping an eye on our time here, uh wanted to just do a very abrupt pivot and ask you about basketball.
0: Oh, uh, hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I was thinking about starting with it, but I'm like, we might never talk about any of the other stuff. So. <laughs>
2: no, we definitely would have. All yeah, right. I so first it.
1: off, what, where, what, where, who, who is your team growing up? Is it the same team as you are? Like, are you are you like lifelong? Like, I am lifelong Bulls fan. Like,
2: what's the? So I've been a Lakers fan since like two thousand one. Okay, wait, where I, you're like, in New, Where are you right now, by the way? So I'm based in New York. I'm yep. in New York City at the Zora office. I am Zora Studio, as we like to call it. Yep. I'm from Atlanta yep. originally. I did know that. I was going to ask you if you're a Hawks guy, but my sisters love the Hawks. And I I fuck with the Hawks, but like I'm not a Hawks fan. I'm okay. a Lakers fan. I'm a Lakers okay. fan for real, for real. Um, so I think it's like 2001 before I was a Lakers fan. Um, I was actually an Indiana Pacers fan. Like oh, I lived. Man. In, <laughs> Wait, why? Yeah. So I lived in Indianapolis. Okay. There's All not right. much going on in Indianapolis yeah, other fair, than corn, and, other than corn and basketball. <laughs> was it? What,
1: what was this like? Pre? This like college or?
2: Oh no! This is me as like a little kid, little kid. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is like a, you said like Atlanta. 11. So I'm
2: like trying to do the yeah. So I born in Atlanta, moved to Indiana,
0: moved back to Atlanta. That's Got sort of like it. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. The okay. jump, okay.
1: A little stint. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And in Indiana, I mean, that's really basketball country, and yeah. the Pacers were amazing. Like it was the Reggie Miller. Jalen Rose, Mark Jackson, Dale Davis. I'm saying a bunch of names that probably nobody on this <laughs> podcast will know. <laughs> We're not you know, not, not worried about
1: anybody else now. I just yeah. want to hear your yeah, thoughts man. on that. So
2: like was was a huge Pacers fan. Um loved like they have like the rivalry with the Knicks that yeah. was amazing to watch. Like uh, Reggie Miller playing in like the garden, doing the spike Lee show. Ch- it, it was just like intoxicating as a kid. I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then, so huge Pacers fan was a huge Allen Iverson fan as well. Like he was always like the (laughs) he was like the like what I imagined myself trying to be as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, I would love to be that cool. Like he had like the Sports Illustrated cover with like these dead roses and his braids and shit. I was like, man, he was MVP, going to the finals. He was, was, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, he was, he was cool. He was like the new. He was just like a new cool. Like he
2: ushered in oh, so much of what crazy.
1: we probably still underrate, like his impact on just like aesthetic and in, in basketball.
2: Oh, it was unreal. Unreal. But then I really like, I don't know. I think it was the NBA finals when the Indiana Pacers were playing the Los Angeles Lakers. I think that's, that was the finals matchup. And I was just enamored by Kobe Bryant, mm. like Kobe and Shaq. And just like, kobe was such like a tenacious competitor and has so much drive i mean there's stories about him like linking up with gary payton at the all-star game being like yo man teach me your defensive tricks like he he was just like (laughs) he he was just that guy and obviously like an incredible talent um and so i became like a huge kobe bryant fan which led me into being a lakers fan
0: okay
2: um People thought I was a Fairweather fan in Indiana cuz they had just beat the Lakers or like the Lakers had just beat the Pacers or whatever and I was like, "Nah, I just really Under- like be
0: Understandable. Yeah, I was like. Oh, I really
2: like um and then I just kept that throughout my whole life. I was a fan of the Lakers from that point forward. Um, hmm. I'm still a fan of the Lakers. It's a little tough out here right now, you know. <laughs> yeah. I- I'm earning my stripes, you know. I'm not that much of a Fairweather fan if I'm a Lakers fan now um it's been cool to see what Braun is doing and the whole thing but like yeah i'm a i'm a lakers fan through and through um, okay.
1: you feel like is, you got any 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 like they got a run
2: in them this year at all i mean so at the beginning of this year uh long story short no i don't no. um <laughs> like we'll see if lebron can it's amazing ad's
1: not like messed his ankle up again yet but
2: uh I got to find some wood in the office to knock on. Uh <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um so at the beginning of the season I actually picked the Warriors to repeat. Uh Okay. And then Draymond decided he was going to punch Jordan Poole and the Warriors decided they weren't going to play any defense. And so it hasn't really been looking like they're going to repeat. Yeah. I keep until, waiting for them like, to make a
1: run, but
2: they got to win on the road.
0: Yeah. They don't
2: play no defense like at all. Like Steph has been in and out with injuries. But I think now, like, they look healthy. Yep. They're beating top teams. Uh, they're competing. I think they're, like, sixth in the West right now. And I'm like, oh, I think that bet might play out. Like, I think, <laughs> I think the Warriors could actually make a run more than I think the Lakers can make a run. But that's, Same. like, that's probably my mind talking more than my heart. Um, if the Lakers make a run, I'll be, I'll be extremely stoked. And then my sister, actually, she works for the Hawks. So I go to a lot of Hawks games. Oh, nice. She does like a uh, social media for the Hawks when she's awesome. not doing her crazy, amazing TikToks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go to a lot of Hawks games. I'm a Hawks fan by like association. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, by blood. Um, but yeah, that's, that's I'm, I'm Lakers all the way.
1: Who, who you, uh, I mean, this I guess I don't know when we're going to put this out. So these questions probably may be answered by this time, but what's, who's the MVP prediction for
2: you? It's hard not to pick the Joker,
1: man. I know. Like it is wild because of like the the bizarre, like just the crazy like rhetoric around everything in the last couple of weeks at like Perk and and like Redick and everything, like all that stuff. But yeah. Like when you just look at it, you know, like the fact that no, it is hard because it's like MJ never won three in a row. Like LeBron's never won three. No one's ever what like just Will. No, nah, Jord-
2: Jordan won three in a row twice.
1: No, no, no. I mean, three MVPs in a row. Oh, MVPs.
0: MVPs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't
1: worry. I remember. I was in Chicago. No, no. I mean, MVPs. It's just like, it's yeah, it's just wild because I think like people get that, like no matter how good of a season, it's like, oh, we're sick of this dude. And that's definitely why Bron didn't win in the D-Rose year. No offense to my man Yeah,
2: D-Rose. But... Voter fatigue is real. Yeah, like that's that's one way to say it. like voter fatigue is real um so much do
1: kinda, an analogy between that and uh, nft stuff like MVP nba mvp voter fatigue and like nft collector fatigue yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. i've had enough of this artist like
2: <laughs> yeah that feels that feels real and like the pool of the pool of voters is probably about as big as the pool of collectors it's true right now yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i think it's gonna be joker i mean to be honest with you i'd love to see joel Win it just because I feel like he's been right there and definitely like, in such deserves close contention. Yeah. He definitely does, but like when you got a guy who's basically averaging a triple double, plays every night, um, just like multi-talented, passing, rebounding, hit a hit a game-winning three randomly. Like I mean. It's just undeniably impressive. Like, we haven't seen these type of numbers since, like, Will Chamberlain. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Just, so, like, it's just
1: crazy to have, like, so many good, like, but the fact that him, Giannis, and Embiid, and, and, and that's, like, you're still leaving out so many, like, amazing other players, but those guys just, like, playing in just, like, another stratosphere right now, for sure.
2: 100%. It's been cool to see the big comeback. Like I feel like we went like we had like a real small ball little guy era. Yeah, dominated the the Warriors
1: era, uh, and yeah, uh, I mean it still is their era to be fair to them. But yeah, I agree. Like three bigs being at
2: the top. Coming
0: back. Yeah, yeah,
2: and like but big and like skilled. You know, like it's not like big like just throw it to him in the paint, get out the way. It's like Mm -hmm. they're hitting threes, they're bringing it up. Like Giannis is euroing and dunking on your head. Like it's such a
1: think what Giannis Yama's gonna think he's going to be the real deal.
0: Who, women, well, no, no. Oh, women, women, yeah. yeah. It looks like it, man. It
2: looks like it. He looks like, it, it's he like just,
1: he's got the vibe of like a, just someone who's truly just like not real human. It's like, like yeah, his star. body's already bigger than Giannis's wasn't. He came into the league, but he's shooting like Durant and just like, just insane. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited for,
2: for next year. Same. Same. This I'm kind of like, damn, wish the Lakers were a little worse. But uh <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, worst place to be, I'm man,
1: like right in the middle. It's like truly just you want to be the Spurs yeah. right now, I guess, or the Pistons.
2: I mean, whew. I got some family in Detroit. I wouldn't mind seeing to go to Detroit, but for for his sake, I hope he goes to San Antonio. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. would be pretty amazing. Him <laughs> with pop. Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean we kind of start wrapping up here but uh good to talk a little hoops i love I, I need to do like one where i just get like a couple people on and just literally talk basketball or just like whatever for the whole hour I'm and- Very they here for that
2: <laughs> like i'm very here, like, here for- we- if, if you want to jump on a twitter space sometime and we just laugh and talk about the game i'm here for that like to Why whatever not? extent to whatever extent we want to create like some basketball content i'm very down
1: absolutely yeah it's been uh, interesting seeing uh in the past year or two. like i did a thing with the bulls last year um you know they like just the sort of seeing teams try to jump in uh mm-hmm. you know, with nfts and 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 there's been like pretty mixed range of success with that for sure mm-hmm. um you know trying their hand at it and trying to capture the moment and everything It'd be interesting to see who like which teams like really sort of figure out like a really interesting use of it because i think at the end of the day like when you talk utility like teams and you know, I know like cuban was beating the drum or a lot of people have talked about like eventually this is going to be how our tickets are I, that was like the real life use case and i don't know like if that's mm-hmm. gonna happen but it does seem like sports you know i know like the game gaming is not like popped the way that i think people think or hope it will or at some point some companies are going to let their guard down from a lot of their fans and just do what they're going to do with using, you know, blockchain. But
2: if I had to hitch my horse to a team wagon, that's going to innovate in this space. I'd say I think like the Sacramento Kings on the low, like they they got like nothing to lose. (laughs) Well, they're like the best team in the West right now. they're They're doing their thing, but they've always been doing crazy innovative, like, technology plays. Um, mm. I remember talking to the, the Kings when I was back at Coinbase and they were like, yeah, we've already done like NFT drops. We've like hidden stuff around the stadium. Like we mm. got like, they were very like about that life. Like they were taking to the technology. The other team, and this one seems a little, maybe less, not less likely, but they've always done an amazing job. That's sort of like social media and marketing is the Portland trailblazers. Like I feel like they're always like they were the first team to really take to i to IG like that. They were one of the first teams to start tweeting as if like the team or brand of the team was a person like they led that whole charge like they've been perennial winners of like digital innovation for, for the league. And so I feel like they'd be good. And the third one like shout out to my sister. Um, the Hawks, like I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks did something. Although people in the South might be like, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so who knows? But I can see the Hawks doing something like that too. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think we're going to look up in 10 years and minting will be just like posting, or it'll be just like sharing or saving, mm. and collecting will be just like liking or mm. following. And this won't be such a big deal. You know, like if you think about early Facebook, like I think there's like a, what's that like little
0: red Facebook book. Um, I think it's like, uh, I got to find the name of this book.
2: It's like their brand book. It's incredible. Okay. But Zuck talks about,
0: Um, I really want to find the name of this damn book now. Everybody just calls it the Facebook Red Book, which is hilarious. Um,
2: oh, it's Facebook wasn't originally. Yeah, Facebook was not originally created to be a company is the, is the actual title of the book. But like Zuck talks about in that book, how people like it was a bewildering concept to share a photo of yourself on the Internet when Facebook kicked off. Mm-hmm. Like nobody thought anybody cared about that. Nobody thought anybody wanted to see your pictures. Nobody, like I was just listening to Kevin Sistrom earlier and he's like, Instagram actually started out as a check-in app. Like you just wanted to let people know where you were, kind of like Foursquare. And like Mm -hmm. the enhancement of that was to just tag the photo onto it so they could actually see you there. But like nobody thought that people wanted to do these things yet. Now they are default behaviors of society, you know, like sharing and posting and like opening ourselves up making ourselves more accessible as humanity was sort of like a foreign concept to the internet 20 years ago Mm. I think we're in the early phases of that with minting where people are like oh well like why would I mint this like oh who's gonna collect this oh Mm -hmm. like why would I mint it if it doesn't have like if it's not gonna give me a good floor price yada 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 and I think slowly but surely those barriers to minting are getting eroded they're getting lower and lower and lower. Now you're minting your memes, now you're minting your videos, now you're minting your TikToks, now you're minting your posts, like to where we're gonna like have this sort of singularity between what used to be considered just posting and tweeting and sharing and liking and following to like minting and collecting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it could be that we look up in 10 years and every team in the NBA and the NFL and the MLB and the NHL, you name it, MLS, they're all just minting their content as a way to share it on the internet mm-hmm. and it just so happens the new internet runs on chain um and it's very likely that chain could be ethereum and so mm-hmm. it feels like we're not too far we're not too far away from this being a default behavior for society um And if for no other reason, so that when you do post it, you're not posting it to one platform, you're posting it to your platform and that can be shared on all platforms. Mm -hmm. It is essentially platformless and you own it. It has provenance. It's from you. We know it's official. You don't need a blue check on a platform to say that. We know it's because it's your ENS address. Like we know it's because it's actually the brand owner, you know? So I think that future is not too far away. um, And I'm pretty excited for us to, for
0: us to get there.
1: I feel like, uh there should be a part two, uh, to be continued on, on that note. Um, I, I, I
0: will
2: show up whenever
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm here for all the pattern recognition.
1: <laughs> what's uh what's on the horizon for uh, you right now. Next either personally, you got any like good dinner plans this week or any fun product launches or just for, I should have said this at the top, maybe when Yuri and I record like an intro, just the context of recording this at, on uh, March, 14th i should have said that in the beginning i feel like we're gonna need like some timestamps stamps on when these are recorded oh so i they're love gonna that be coming yeah. out later
2: but yeah, uh Tuesday, yeah, yeah march yeah. 14th new york city it's like 40 degrees outside it's snowing um what am i excited to do this week uh, i got my sister and my family coming in town both my sisters i talked a lot about my sister who play who's on tiktok and makes amazing mm-hmm. content but um I have a, another sister who's an incredible volleyball player, two-time state champion, just went back-to-back, back, Gracie. Um, nice. So my two sisters and my mom are going to be coming up to visit me this weekend. Uh, we're going to be going to check out a New York Knicks game, so like right nice. in line with the basketball vibes. So I'm really excited for that. I haven't seen them since like Christmas, so it'll be a really nice like recharge. Uh, and then I'm going to watch – so last night I watched uh, Interstellar again, it came okay. up in like a Zora brand conversation, and it was like, and I, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go sit and watch that. Like, dude, then I got home. I lived in like a studio solo here in New York City. Turned it on, got my dinner out or whatever, and
0: just sat and watched it. And I was like, wow, I haven't watched a film like oh, I lost once your eye. oh, oh. Can you hear me? Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, which just won like the Oscar for that yeah. film. And so I'm going to watch that probably tonight. And then.
1: Have you waited, so you haven't seen that
2: yet? I've seen it once. Okay. But just, like, interstellar, like I kind of just want to like re immerse myself sure, in it. Sure. And like, i so. I probably need to
1: because I, I watched it. And honestly, like, I don't know if this is like, I'm, if anybody's made it this far into the this, like I'm less worried. There's probably not, you know, how many people like hear this, but like I might need to watch it again. But there was like, three times where I was really hoping it was almost over. I'm just being honest. I was just like, man, like cool, I get it. It felt like it was pounding me over the head with its message. And I was like, I get it. <laughs> like yeah. enjoy the small moments. Like it was just so, so overwhelming, but I also watched it like, on like a very weird day and like, so it's one that, now <laughs> it's know. yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, i give it another shot, but I also like, it's such a, just like a long endeavor, man. Like, I don't sit down and watch movies at home. I I don't, I really don't. Like, I'm not it's, a movie it's guy. I felt like, last night when I when I watched every, Yeah, but every, yeah, uh, but every now the- and then, yeah. yeah. Every now and then someone will recommend something and I'll be like, I guess I should watch that. So, like randomly, like last week, one night, it was like a Wednesday or a two a couple like two weeks ago. It was like some random Wednesday night. And uh I watched Collateral. Have you see that movie? Oh, Jay- that's a good movie. <laughs> it's yeah, a good movie. It was very good. Jamie Foxx <laughs> and Tom Cruise and uh yeah someone made like some bootleg shirt of it and was like hyping it up on instagram and it was a guy that i really (laughs) like and i was like i gotta i've never seen it i'll watch it it, i was like there was zero expectations so maybe that has something to do with it too i'm like i can't watch new movies like everyone's made up their mind about how i'm supposed to feel about it already so
2: yeah i love that i love that um that'll have to be our second podcast. We'll do, we'll do an NBA one in a, a adjacent to this one, and then we'll do a movie one. Yeah.
1: Movies that like you haven't like watched or, one.
2: yeah, <laughs> I like that.
1: Um, all right. Well, D thanks so much for uh, joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if Yuri wants to hop back in and has any last minute questions, but, uh, Yeah, it's good to good to chat. It's so weird, like having these long, interesting conversations with people knowing they're being recorded. And it's like, for the most part, the first time I'm having like at length, non business work related conversations with people like, you know
2: what I mean? (laughs) How how are you finding it? Are you enjoying it?
1: Yeah, very much so. I love it. Because for me, it's like, I think COVID kind of did this a little bit where you were reminded that like, real conversations and interactions with people are like the reason we're all so comfortable on zoom now is sort of forced on us. Like we didn't exactly. naturally, you know, use this stuff in our day-to-day lives. And, um, you know, I think I spend a lot of my time alone, even though I've got two kids, I do mm-hmm. spend a lot of time just like during the day, I'm just like by myself. A lot of times I go to coffee shops, like not cause I need coffee, but cause I just want to physically be by like other Man, people. I yeah. Uh, and as someone who's pretty naturally like extroverted too, like, I, I don't need that. Like, oh, I need to go home and recharge. Like I, I'm i like, I'm looking for like something, you know, but I also, you know, but then I get my fill of that with like family and stuff. But I, I think like these are really like um, energizing for me to do because it's a chance to just like ask some questions and then sit and listen for a little bit. And, and mm-hmm. but also know like there's passively like going to be an audience versus when we were doing this live, Uh, as Pirate Radio previously, there was like a live audience and there's a different, like the camera's rolling in a different way, I guess. You know, and you kind of like, I don't want to say like act any different, but there's like a time crunch and there's like, I I have this thing and we've got to wrap it up or there's like, you know, there's people talking at the same time and it was fun. It was just a different energy. So like for me, these are like, you know, just enjoy the conversation a little bit more selfishly in a way and hope that the conversations are interesting enough for other people to hear. I guess that's like the the dream of anybody doing any sort of recorded format inter- like interview format thing.
0: Yeah,
2: I feel like if you if you do it for your enjoyment, kind of like I think what's that Rick Rubin tweet that he just put out it's like uh seek what's exciting to you not what's exciting to others. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a good example of that where it's like if you go after the conversation with your own excitement and enjoyment, it'll come across Like that's like, yep. I I feel like people in a lot of cases are just craving energy. Like we're in such like a, not docile, but we're in such like a programmatic state sometimes in our day to day. Like we're just always on autopilot. Like you just sit and click, 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 do your thing. You have your routine or whatever that you sort of need that burst of energy or that little bit of switch up, um, to grab somebody's attention. And so I feel like if it's exciting for you, if it's enjoyable for you, that'll come across and it'll be equally as exciting and enjoyable for other people who are listening. So
0: yeah, um, absolutely. I have a
2: good feeling that it's going to, uh, that it'll land well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We want to fill a void, like in this space, that's like kind of very on point with how both of us have come at things we've done where like, I'm very much like over the years, like very much like involved in the, you know, graphic design and like art and you know, internet stuff. But like, I've, vested interest in like culture and fashion and music and and, like i I like blending you know the idea of blending scenes and like merging people together from different corners and i think like there's a huge opening for that within specifically within nfts so people aren't so myopic and just seeing what they're presented with through like the same things that we all sort of like churn through and like try and Mix up the types of guests or stories or like angles, and and like have it be, you know. This is what we talked about when we first started talking about doing this. Is like, you know, we just want like a smart, creative, fun, you know, no like agendas or pushing like a drop or anything. It's just like, exactly. it's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I, I feel like we're this, even you know, so
2: we're even seeing that happening now with like the sort of chasm that has emerged between like the DeFi crew and the NFT crew. And it's Mm. like, they don't often overlap or intersect or get blended together. Like crypto has this tendency to, despite being so community driven, it has this tendency to very quickly form little factions or pockets. Yeah, Yeah, of
1: course. Like anything. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, True, true. Maybe we're just speed running society with crypto and it's like, it it starts happening faster because of the, the accelerated pace that we're developing it at. But yeah, I definitely can feel sometimes just like, the distance between one group, one DAO, one team, and the other, or one type of participant in the crypto economy versus another, mm-hmm. and whatever we can do to sort of bridge those gaps and allow for there to be like we need like the interstate, <laughs> you know, like we, we yeah, need yeah. The, the train system, we need the we need airplanes to allow us to to connect more, so that you're not just always in your bubble, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true of the space at large in crypto, it's true of NFTs as a pocket, you know? Um, And like, it's something that I'm really, I'm passionate about finding ways to like, to, to bridge those gaps. Cause otherwise we just wind up, you wind up in the same echo chamber, you wind up with a very homogenous type of group, or, you know, you wind up with a very like, standardized default type of thinking and mm-hmm. you don't know, see a lot of imagination and innovation in those yep. in those environments and so
0: yep. it's
2: good for us to to do this sort of blending and meshing of the different spaces and different participants so that we can get a richer more holistic view of what's happening so yep. i'm excited for all of this
1: absolutely okay.
2: what's up Yuri? you up, Yuri?
1: doing how are y'all doing <laughs> <laughs> Yuri lurks in the background of all these interviews uh, <laughs> I dig it I dig it you know like after the first interview it was you and David Allen talking and I was just like this is just like free art school like I just set this up <laughs> y'all are just talking through your practices and like these rich careers and these different pivots and how you managed it. and I was like did I just like set up like a master class situation for me to absorb and then like the <laughs> bonus is that we're going to distribute it as a podcast but like I think what D is saying is true. It's like if I I am the audience right now and it lands incredibly hard for me every time. So I think that bodes incredibly well about the utility of this for the larger space. Cool. Yeah, I love it.
2: Heck yeah, good. appreciate
1: good. it. Well, enjoy the enjoy the next game. Who are they playing?
2: Uh, they're playing the Joker. They're playing the. Oh, Nuggets. sick. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. Um, nice. I haven't had a chance to see him play live yet either.
1: I, I have, and I went. I his first. I was. I had him on my fantasy team. I had Jokic shirt. Wow. Like, I went. I, I, it said Serbia. It was like something about Serbia on it. I'm not Serbian, but I wore it. Like and I <laughs> like showed it to him and he like pointed at me and I got a, I'll send you, I got a selfie of like me, like after the game, it was crazy how many, I, like how many Serbian like basketball fans. I mean, I guess that would be true if there was a guy like of his level anywhere, but man, yeah. like the flags and stuff and it was like in Chicago and then, you know, the Nuggets won. And, like, it, you would have thought the Bulls won with how many people were concentrated at the tunnel to sort of try and get a piece of him as he was leaving. And wow. It was pretty cool. I got to say, like, it was very cool to, like, feel that and see it in person. So hopefully he puts on a- Oh, man,
2: I'm so excited. Isn't it, The it is. NBA is beautiful, isn't it? Like, the best players in the league. It's, like, a Serbian, uh, a Greek player. Like, where's jo- where's Joel from? Is he from, like...
0: Cameroon, he's from the Cong-
2: he's Cameroon, from yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Cameroonian, the- like
0: yeah. or the, or that the-
2: shit is crazy. Like I was a gonna true- say, a
1: Sixers, a Sixers fan over there should be able to tell us right away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's wild. It's, like, it's Tony's like the real fan, but I absorb the alpha in the household. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's international and in like a post like Euro guys only way. Like it's really like pulling in from like all over and then you know yeah i I think like right now like a world versus us game would be better than ever like it would just be like you know like braun and KD and curry and then you got joel and like yeah, it's exciting. I was gonna say Ja, but like maybe have to hold on on that for a moment. <laughs> yeah, my
2: man Ja is. Uh, I I used to make the analogy that he was like the Allen Iverson of this. Totally, era. I think he
0: is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, one hundred percent.
2: But like, I didn't know he was this much. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the Allen Iverson of the yeah, era. Like, yeah, he,
1: yeah. He it's it. I, yeah, I gotta say, like, as much as I like grew up absolutely idolizing Michael Jordan and actually more so eventually became a bigger Rodman than Jordan fan. I was obsessed with Dennis Rodman. It's really good that those guys did not have phones and social media because I'm pretty sure we would have, I'm pretty sure most of our idols from the nineties would be uh, well fallen by now had uh, Jordan been uh, on Instagram live in, you know, 96. I don't think that would have been good for anybody. It's probably best that there's some things still hidden
2: away. Rodman Rodman doing his Vegas trip. I mean, you know, like, and that's just all of IG live. Like we were, we were fortunate enough that we could even have like some sort of paparazzi cameras catching him. Like, I can't imagine if he was just at the club in Vegas while the team is playing. Yo, imagine,
1: like, imagine, imagine Wilt, here. imagine Wilt with like TikTok. I mean, my yeah, God, yeah, like uh-huh. just the, mm-hmm, the ban mm-hmm. the, the ends, the banning would be quite quick. I think <laughs>
2: Yeah. shout out to the innovation curve. I'm glad it was a little slow. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um.
2: Sweet. All right, y'all. This was great, man. I really appreciate it. It's, yeah, uh, man. Like, i appreciate you taking the time to do all these man and of like co- of course no know, this is a, to go that next level with it this is such a great
1: perfect fit for for these and um you know just feel like we're haven't even gotten we're just like just getting started like we've got to start packaging totally these up and get them out and then and, and uh it's exciting we're we, you and i have got a good dynamic and and, and system you know that we're building and just understand each other and it's been fun to put these you know together and and i i look forward to you know finally getting them out there and and, i hope people enjoy um listening to them and experiencing it so yeah it's gonna be good good sweet
2: all right y'all i appreciate this i'll catch y'all see you